Well, it is fantastic to audibly gather with uh, you two and, of course, the millions, potentially speaking, uh, listening on this platform or the many platforms where rinky-dinking is consumed. I'll, I'll say this, gentlemen. Uh, of course, it's it's yours truly, Daryl Ray, along with the great Mike Heike and Jeff Totes. I have consumed a lot of podcast material myself lately, taking long walks, my thirst for information and entertainment being quenched on these long walks and wanders and strolls. Uh, And just a a couple right off the top that I would pass along. The uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend series are sensational. Anything that NPR puts out, uh, I've listened to the entire Michael Lewis uh, podcast, a little bit of spit and chiclets, and, uh, you know, TED Talks are always good. You can get them in, in bite size or the longer form. So, anyway, that's my opening statement. How are you doing? <laughs> Hanging in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Jason Dickinson said this a couple of weeks ago that when he plays his video games, uh, as these kids do now, uh, he's, you know, it's almost like he's sitting in the living room with his friends talking to him. And, and I kind of think this is us, like us sitting in your living room, Daryl, and uh, uh, talking about everything. Well, yeah, I prefer it this way rather than have you actually sitting in my <laughs> living room. But uh, how are you guys, uh, you know, pounding away the moments and the days in any particular fashion? Any habits? Tochi? Uh Just looking forward to the Monday podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. Still, okay. Still a lot of Netflix. I've, I have reached the point of reading books now. So, that a um, boy. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Th- things are getting very desperate over here. Mm-hmm. It does. It, te- it tests a different part of your mind. I think it, it brings in uh, the place where you have to actually uh, make your own uh, images in your head, and I think that's an important thing. Wow. You like an old man, Mike. I'm sure Totes' mind is going, well, why would you do that when you can just get the images, you yeah. moron? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, season seven of the Ozark. I think it's season eight today. So. Yeah, and not season eight, three. episode eight. Uh, so it's been interesting. Way to go. It's a good Way show. Way to go. Well, do you, guys, you guys do realize, don't you, uh, that the regular season – as it was laid out, would have concluded on the weekend. And uh, it all started back October 3rd. The Boston Bruins were in town, and President Bush dropped the puck. Remember? W read the lineup before the game and dropped the pill, Tanner Ice. It's was been a great out. season. Yeah, I know. This. You look <laughs> back and you're like, man, a lot of really good stuff went on. Uh, ups and downs, but man, there were some pretty monumental moments uh, in the first 69 games. That's how many they played, right? You stopped at 69 and uh, paused, and we'll get into more of more uh, connotations about what they could potentially do down road. But I thought since you know since we we're here where we're at, some teams would be done now anyway, right? Until October again. Yeah. 15 of the 31 would be golfing. And the Stars would likely have finished right where they were, uh, 3rd Central, and we'd be gearing up for game one at Colorado on probably Wednesday. Boom. How about that for 
It would have been fun. You're even more depressed than you might be right now. Yeah, that's a that's a bummer. Yeah. I've I've actually looked at those the whole schedule, you know, on the nights when we're supposed to be playing and where we're supposed to be, and uh, so yes, it, it's very frustrating because I I really would have, and we still could, I really would have looked forward to a Colorado series. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Well, no matter what, it's probably going to. I mean, if we're going to keep the the uh, the illusion uh, or the belief that this thing is somehow going to drastically change and we're going to get going again. I don't even know. Will it will it still be that, or will it be something else? But we're not going to go down that tunnel again. What what I thought we should do is, since the regular season on paper is now over, uh, the awards, uh, some awards, and I I kept it uh, in my mind anyway, a little more star centric. I don't care that much about the league awards. Do you? Or is uh, that what you had in your mind? I, I did both, just to be prepared. Oh, well, look uh, at you. Extra credit hike <laughs> overachiever. Yep. I, will, I will say this. I used to have to actually do this uh, on the record, and mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to make these choices and uh, then make them public and then let people just rip the heck out of you for being an idiot. Um, yeah, but so, you guys never made them public before, right? Until no, recently. the last, yeah, until recently, four or five yeah. years. You guys finally grew a pair and put your actual... I think a lot of people, like especially when I was the NHL writer, you'd put it in your column uh, saying, True. here's what my choices yeah. are. So, yeah. so they could Well, go ahead there. then. Run run down some of your, your hard work and your list then. Uh, for your, the NHL? Yeah. Uh, I went with dry sidle. Uh, I thought over. Well, you can't uh, just. Is there a dry? You got to name the award, Mike. Uh, that would be the Hart Trophy MVP most okay, valuable player, you. which, which does right. I think. I mean, right then and there, I think you get into a, a problem of what is this award for? Because it probably should be for most outstanding player, um, and a lot of people want Artemi Panarin to be the uh, winner. But um, yeah, you I, know what? You, you mentioned that. I, I, I've had a growing issue with the whole Hart Trophy um, and then the NHLPA's uh, award for essentially the same thing, but they always say that it's not. It's different. And there have been different winners of the two, the Ted Lindsay Award and the Hart Trophy, right? Yes. I I wish they would just define them better. And separate them and make it so that, okay, here's here's one that is going to go to the the player best, the player player deemed best in the NHL, like the the best player. Correct. And then the other one, the player that was most valuable to his team. You know what I mean? Like they're two yeah. they're two kind of different things, and yet it, it feels like they're both grouped in together and everyone just thinks, well, one's for the NHL and one's for the PA. Yeah, I agree with that. And and it's just a frustrating thing because if your team doesn't win and you're still an outstanding player, then it's really hard to win the hard trophy. Um, And maybe that's accurate. Maybe, you know, a lot of people argue, well, if you're that good, your team should be a team that, you know, is at the very least in the playoffs. Well, Um, I I can tell you this. I came close to winning. This would be a little little resortorial here. (laughs) I came close to capturing the American Hockey League uh, MVP when I was playing in Binghamton, and we won 11 games. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I, you know. No, I didn't win. Right. Well, and that's probably because your team won 11 games. I think Paul Eisbart won that year. 
If he was really a good goalie, they would have won at least 14. Yeah, we we would have been in the high teens (laughs) if I was truly valuable. (laughs) Good point. All right. I went with with Dreisaitl because I think he's, one, he's played spectacular. His numbers are great. And, and, you know, two, when McDavid was out, he was still good and all that kind of good junk. Um, Let's see. uh, Roman Yossi on defense. Uh, I know there's a... Some other arguments, but we've seen him so much. Yeah, um, I, I have no, I have no argument against him. I think he's fantastic. And and I was, I was the first one to say I don't like that contract. I don't like giving an eight-year contract to a thirty-year-old. But boy, he sure earned, earned it this year. So that's a, that's that's the Norris Trophy that goes to the the top defenseman. Not Mike. defenseman. There you yeah. go. Let's see, like people don't know that, so you have to tell them. Yeah, well, part of, we can't put we, up. We can't put up a dot-com graphic on this thing, you know. We inform and we entertain. Yes. <laughs> for, excuse me. For the goalie. Um, well, you've entertained yourself with that one anyway. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up there. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Vesna trophy, the Vezina. Uh, Be careful. <laughs> no. You could uh, give that to Connor Hellebuck. Uh, here's a team that's on the bubble still, but his numbers say I think he's – the best goalie, um, you could argue for Anton Hudobin if you want, but I just don't think his numbers are, are up that high. Yeah, I mean, that's the that, that's the the issue for the two goaltenders in Boston, the two goaltenders here, that, that it's been a platoon system, and uh, with that, you know, you get downgraded. It's just how that thing is voted on and you you do need to, I believe you have to go to more of a, an overall pure number one for that category for the best goaltender. I I don't think you can do it on a, on a shared net, if you will. That's my own. I agree with you. I don't know, but who, who, who would be runner up then to, uh, if, if you were going to give it to Hellebuck. Uh, if you were going to give it to Hellebuck, uh, Vasilevsky, I think his numbers are up there. Um, gosh, who else? It was somebody else. Um, I know, it's supposed but, to be your segment, Mike. I know, it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm dropping the ball on this. <laughs> I, I had a lot of names in my head. I was uh, moving along to the coaching one already. Uh, so. Jonathan Bernier, was he in there? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would hope not, Mike. <laughs> I would hope not. I'm trying to think of God. It's been a while since I've even contemplated the statistical. And you could throw Tuka in there, but again, it's the same thing with you know Bishop or Hudobin. Or it's just you know, it's a weird. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a weird year. Like Darcy Kemper would have been in there, but he got hurt. Right. You have these the shared excellence of of uh, Rask and and Halak and Hudobin and Bishop. Uh, you know the what about the Elvis has you, left the building? Yeah, you could actually throw in Merzlikins. <laughs> uh, certainly for a voter, so I think he would uh, enjoy that. Uh, just, yeah, you know, even getting any kind of votes would, would be uh, yeah. exciting for him. Yeah, that Francou in um, uh, in you Colorado. Know he won't have. At- I don't know that he'll have a big enough body of work, as we say. Where did Bennington but, finish last year? Third? Uh, in in uh, Calder? Uh, no, I'm in, in uh, Vesna. Yeah, somewhere in there. I, I think he was a finalist for it. 
Uh, Why, you want to throw him in there, too? No, no, I'm saying France Cruz, Francouz, uh could be in that Bennington-type yeah. category where he was so right. good in 30 games or 40 games right. that yeah. he gets on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. What, yeah. Is, yeah. what else yeah. you got? Uh, Coach, I, I, I went for Ruby. It wasn't easy. There's a lot of good coaches. Do you know who, do you know who uh, votes on the Coach of the Year? I believe the broadcaster do. Yes. The uh, member yes. of the broadcasting union. And the, the greater the broadcast, the more votes you should have. That, that's a new rule <laughs> I wanted to implement. I like that. I like the power that you wield. Yeah. Well, not just me, but certainly I'm at the top of the craft. There's no question about that. <laughs> uh, so you, you know, for coach of the year, I mean, some guys have done some marvelous. I always have a soft spot, and it gets – it seems in the history of this league, it's always been quickly uh, discredited. The guy that takes a, a great team, a team that won the cup, and has them perform to their capabilities again the following year. You know, it's it's just like, well, no, it's a good team. I mean, they're they're a quality team. It's not really the coach. It, it, through the years, it's always been, well, what was a real crappy team last year that got good this year? Well, he's the best coach. Correct. And, I mean, we've, we've had some of the better coaching performances this season be guys who come in partway through the season. Some were coaching other teams in the league at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And, you know, and have have done that. So, I um, I mean, yeah, I think Bruce, Tortorella. I think Bruce Cassidy in in Boston's done a terrific job too. He's been fantastic, and Tortorella's been good in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what I like about Barube is so much of last year was that kid goaltender, and it was that kind of just muddied the waters on, you know, okay, is this just a great goalie who's hitting a hot streak, or is this a team that's really good? And that kid hasn't been great this year, and they've used both goalies, and they've had significant injuries and they still are the best team in the Western conference. And I just think a lot of that is because of Craig Berube. Yeah. Yeah. He's done. I, hey, look, he'd be on my ballot again this year. I, yeah. I picked and I like the guy too. number I mean, one last yeah. year. So, uh, the other, I mean, Paul Maurice, that, that, that team, I mean, if you want an example of how, symbiotic the relationship between goaltenders and coaches is <laughs> just look at Winnipeg so yeah. you just mentioned Hellebuck their goaltender for the Vezina and man if you don't get good goaltending go down the list of guys that got fired this year it's almost it's like amazing that goaltending average goaltending yeah. pedestrian goaltending and great goaltending makes you a genius than behind the bench yeah. believe me I've made plenty of guys look good <laughs> uh uh, Philadelphia would be another one, probably. I like would, Philadelphia a lot. Yeah, that would fall more in the you know massive improvement category. But Elaine Vigneault is an excellent coach, and and uh, he's showed it again. I mean, they're they're a team. No, I I I don't believe anybody really wanted to face them early in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. No, the and way they were trucking along. Well, fan base, city, history. Uh, so to go in there and to calm things down and to get them all on the same page is is, is a difficult task. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the guy in Tampa has done a pretty good job too, considering the mental hurdles that that crew has have to had to overcome. Yeah. Uh, from getting spanked early last year, I I really like Tortorella's 
uh, performance too. I think I'd have him in my on my ballot. We get yeah. three names on our ballot. A lot of so. people have him first overall, so that's why it was a little. Who Torts? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of looking at stuff. A lot of people who were making votes at uh, when this thing stopped. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just like. Burger. But you were talking. You were talking to the uh, broadcasters about their votes. No, I was just looking at the internet. Oh. Anything else you want? Any other no, that's a, those are the big ones. Yeah. Rookie of the year. McCarr probably, I think, although Hughes could be in there. And there's Merz Lickens could be in there. Yeah. I hate to give it to a goalie, though. Don't you hate to give uh, these major awards to goalies? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, we could win every one of the awards if they did it properly. That's true. Yeah. Well, most, I most important shifting, position in, in sports. Shif, shifting gears, true. Shifting gears before everyone leaves our podcast to uh, <laughs> awards, stars awards. Uh, th- these are actually handed out a few of these. So the Madonna Trophy goes to the top scorer. And if if this is it, if, if they don't find a way to to uh, restart things, uh, well, two guys have basically traded winning this thing for seven years now. Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and this right. year's no different. Sagan uh, leads the team in scoring. He was going to lead them in scoring uh, no matter what. Uh, it'll be the fourth time that he takes home the coveted Madonna Trophy. He was uh, 11 points up on who else? Jamie Benn in, yeah. in team scoring when things stopped. Uh, so, that I mean, that's a statistical uh, category. The Clancy nominee... Uh, goes to basically community involvement. I think it's a terrific league trophy that you didn't mention, by the way. Sorry, but, uh, but John Klingberg was the guy last year. He'd be my pick again this year. He does wonderful uh, work behind the scenes on game days um, with all those sick kids and families that come in. It's really nice to talk to John about this because it, 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 like it's genuine. He likes to do it. He came yeah. up with the idea of Hey, it's not just a kid; it's the entire family. Let's get the brothers and sisters, a mom and dad, in here, and and make it a family thing. And and he's just he's really embraced it. It's it's like Marty or Trevor Daly back in the day, where yep. um, it really means something to him. And I think that's great. Yeah, it, it you can almost see that it, he actually looks forward to yeah. hosting them uh, there, and and takes uh, all the time. The guys are great. Takes them around. <laughs> Shows them around, spends time with them. Like it, you're right. Genuine is the perfect word for it. Uh, so he would be uh, that nominee again, and the Masterton nominee would be easy for the stars, don't you think? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, this is one I think who could actually win it throughout the league. If, yes. If people saw the story and, and and you know just dug a little bit deeper and kind of studied what's going on in, in Texas for. The rare occasion, uh, I definitely think Stephen Johns could be yeah. uh, a candidate to win the whole thing. Is it true that no Dallas Stars ever, or no Stars ever won or been awarded the Masterton? You don't really win the Masterton. No, yeah, uh, I I believe that is accurate. Yeah, ironic. Odd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and, and ironic that its namesake was uh, a player, uh, Bill Masterton, uh, who played for the North Stars way back. When so, anyway, Stephen candidates too. Yes, very much so. But Stephen, I mean, just an incredible story of uh, perseverance and dedication to the game of hockey. I mean, that's what the award is yes. is for. Uh, the Normandy Home Star of the Game at American Airlines Center, w- which is 
it's not the overall stars of the game, uh, three stars, which is the most subjective thing in our sport <laughs> right now. I don't know who votes on that or submits it every night. A lot of nights it's just horrifically wrong. And a lot of nights, and depending on the building, it's so biased it makes you barf. Uh, but there's a three-way tie. Are you aware of that? I was not. Yes. And ben, this game Sagan, ben, Sagan, and Hintz. Wow. The most three-star selections at American Airlines Center this year. And since Jamie has the most first-star selections, he wins. I, I broke wow. the tie just like that. I'm it breaks there It breaks a three-year stranglehold on the trophy by Tyler Sagan. By the way, interesting. Yeah. Well, you thought goalies would be usually it's yeah. The, I thought yeah, especially yeah. at home. I think they played really well, and they typically factor into the three stars. So. Yeah, yeah. But the team, the, the uh, if you took the overall, I think it it would flesh out that way. Yeah. But at home. Because the team scored more and uh, played better on, for the most part, it, it, there were other guys that were easier to single out. Like they, they didn't win a lot of games where the goaltender stopped 50 at home. Right. It would happen on the road repeatedly, uh, but not so much at American Airlines Center. So there, I just dynamited that theory of yours. Uh, missing from the awards, I feel... Uh, rookie of the year. When did they they did away with that, right? Because there there were never yeah. any rookies. Yeah, they had a run. <laughs> or it was there. just one rookie, and it was like, right. well, I guess we could just hand it out. But Dennis Gurionov would run away with it this year, would he not? I think hands down. Yeah. Uh, the other one I wish they had was a unsung hero or players player. I would call it the Yuri Letnin Award. I like that one. Yeah. And uh, who would you pick? There's some good ones. Um, I might go with Essa Lindell. Yeah, he would be uh, my either him or Hudobin would be. Yeah, Hudobin's been fantastic. Would be perfect for for that award. There, there should be a fan favorite award voted on. I like that. I I think I think the fans should be able to submit who they truly love. I just think of guys in past. It might be the same guys that win other awards, but it. it might be something or someone completely different too. You can get a John Scott uh, movement in the. In the right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the, yeah. the fans could do that and really reward somebody who, you know, yeah. is just a favorite, who's a guy who they like. Yeah, and the our fans is, are so knowledgeable and passionate, yeah. and I have all the confidence in the world that they would they would do it right, and they would they would pick a very appropriate individual for mm. that. So. And then uh, finally, the uh, Media Darling Award, which has <laughs> become probably more difficult through the years <laughs> to come up with that. Or uh, It would be more difficult to come up with a lot of players in the category. They're still good, <laughs> really great guys. I don't think there are as many as there once was, right? Well, so. and again, I, I think we've talked about this. I think my age and, you know, there are younger guys in there who, you know, I think Sean does a good job because he also has covered some of these guys in the AHL. Um, but I, I do feel like, you know, it was a whole lot easier to be chummy with somebody who was your age than somebody who's 25 years younger than you. Did you read Duhatchik's article in The I Athletic? Didn't. No. Yeah, it was pretty good talking about this very subject. Yeah. 
It was good. You should find it. It's, I he's, the, he's in your Professional Hockey Writers Association. I'm not in there anymore, but yes, uh, he is one of the finest hockey oh, writers wow. in the league. You just divorced yourself from that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm uh, I'm you a moved into the digital now. and podcast <laughs> world now. You're too good yeah. for them. Uh, I, I write for a team, uh, and they pay my paycheck, uh, and so then I'm not eligible to be in the hockey well, league. Well, we, we, on the podcast, all three of us, get a vote here. So who would you vote for? Um, this is a really tough one because the one guy, it's, he, he actually had a discussion with me in the locker room this year about, am I still your favorite? And that's John Klingberg. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. Jason Dickinson's given some pretty good answers out there. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Jason Dickinson and, and, and give it to the new kid, so to speak. Okay. Jeff Totes? You, you 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 have to conduct interviews with these guys from time to time, and you're with them more than we are in behind the scenes nowadays, it seems like. Yeah. So uh, I, maybe it's a different question to you than it is who is the media darling. Who, yeah. But answer it anyway. In terms of, like, media and the amount of times we have to shoot scrums and interviews with these guys and morning skate, pregame, postgame, um, I would agree with Mike that Jason Dinson is actually like the most candid quote and he'll, he'll take questions and run with it, give really good substantive answers. And he's by far um, the person I enjoy hearing from the most uh, from that room. And then runner up, I would actually say uh, Sagan, just in terms of the things I have to do and the things I have to get from guys and how open he is for that. I, I really appreciated him this season from that regards. Yeah, I, that's interesting, those two names. Tyler likes getting Tyler out there. Uh, he, like, he just enjoys that. Like, there are plenty of young guys that enjoy that now, and uh, and yet there are a lot of them that are just want nothing to do with that. And exactly. he's very eager to do it, and it's important. And, and, and it, it benefits his personal brand yeah, uh, and ends yeah. up getting great stuff for our Stars Media as a whole. Yeah, agreed. And and uh, Jason, Jason's a real intelligent. Uh, he you can tell there's not a lot of cliches. He thinks his way through answers. Um, so he, yeah, I, I get that. I I would pick Ben Bishop. I think, and not just because he's a goalie, but he's another guy that gives gives pretty good answers. Yeah. And for that position to be to be that available. I know Anton Hudobin will talk forever and, and you can ask him one question and he'll talk for 30 minutes about it and explain some stuff. But, but Ben will answer you. He didn't, he doesn't give you all the Ben all the time. I feel, I feel like there's still a craftiness to, to the way he divulges his answers. But for the most part, uh, he's, he's very available and, and, uh, He's the first guy in the door, right? You walk into the search room, he's right there to the right. You have to step past him. So I think uh, he has confidence now to say what he means, too. Yeah. Like, yeah I mean, like, probably. there's ones, you know, obviously he holds back a little here and there, but there's times where he really just says some very hard, honest things that he might say in the locker room, and he says them in front of the camera, which I think the fans love. Yeah. There's this, it, Jamie's never going to win this award. Uh, <laughs> he just, he he's not going to. He, him and Alexander Radulov are going to be in a 
dead heat for uh, 23rd, I think. On the I, would list. Put, I would put Roman in that running as well. <laughs> a three-way race. Yeah, he just doesn't want to talk to the media. No, I he would because he's, he's funny. He's in behind when you talk to him and that. You can have some giggles with him. Yeah. The, the other would be Andre uh, Sekera because usually when we're going in to the room, he's in street clothes <laughs> on his way out to the car. So He's already in the parking lot. <laughs> and yet when you talk to him, he's, he's terrific. He just wants to get out of there all the time. <laughs> when the camera's on, he is such a veteran in that he just gives you the answer that, oh, yeah. he, th- yeah. that he thinks you want. So, yes, we need to be better. Oh, we need uh, to, of course. Do this. Yeah, and no, it, this is a tough game tonight. Yeah. We will do our best to try to score more goals than them and win. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you think our young Finn's going to be like in in ten years? That's an interesting question because behind the scenes, he seems like you know he's kind of funny and he has fun with them, and so you you kind of think that it's just a language barrier thing. Uh, that he actually has a pretty good personality, and once he starts to speak English a little bit better, I and mean, we've seen it with Essa. Essa's definitely gotten to, to the point now where he can convey a little bit of humor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I think Miro could do the same thing. Those are fan- that that's the for the most part. I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but that's Finns in general. They're they're very shy, and until they feel uh, comfortable, they they do not want to. They do not want to spend any time speaking English. Right. They just they just don't. That's why you see those three Finns together all the time. They're comfortable with one another, and they will answer questions. But you're right. I, th- I think it is just just a uh, comfort level with it. But in I think in ten years he'll be like a spokesman. I really do. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, awards. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. Talk about where this thing is going move into bonding, and uh, some other stuff. All of that on the other side of these very important messages. Hold it. We don't have any messages. Just play the music, Totsie, and we'll come back and start up again. Boom. Start freaking out the neighborhood. Really, I'm fine. Never been. All right, so uh, the weekend, boy, the news comes fast and furious, doesn't it? Weekend, there was a uh, commissioner of every pro league in the White House, and Donald Trump, uh, they had a kind of state of the state thing. Uh, Nothing really major came out of it, it didn't seem. Uh, I wasn't there, I wasn't on the call, uh, shocking as that is. Uh, and then, and then yesterday, some cockamamie scheme surfaced about the higher up spitballing a, a tournament in North Dakota. It does sound cockamamie, doesn't it? Well, I, I mean, we, hey, look, no idea is an idiotic idea right now. Uh, you know, throw it, just throw it out there, see what might actually stick at some point. And this is part of that, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's what this is. This is part of any ideas we should at least talk about. We got the time to right. talk about things. Let's just talk about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to give it much time here on the award winning Rinky Dinking podcast just because I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this in theory, uh, a tournament in one location 
would be the last resort, but it would be a resort if that's what you got to. Um, if you got to a point where you didn't need fans in the building and you wanted to be able to structure it so that the chance of everyone, every player and management person being as healthy as possible, uh, then having one location. I know the NBA's talked about this, having a one-location tournament would make sense. But to me, it's the the dead, dead, dead last resort. I, I, yeah, I, I, think so. I still don't understand that. I think, obviously, some some sports – you could probably get away with that easier than others. And our sport is viewed by many as maybe the best live spectator sport out there. So, well, you mix that with the fact, I think that the financial gain of having fans in the building for the NHL is significant in the playoffs. And so their first, their first hope is to keep everybody healthy, keep everybody uh, confident, and get them into the building to watch games. Where, where, where do you think North Dakota came from? Uh, it's I think they have very little uh, coronavirus in, <laughs> in areas like North Dakota and Wyoming and Montana and uh, those are areas that have not been touched hard. It's one of the things Trump talks about when he says that states should be able to decide their own policy is that every state's different, that New York's different than North Dakota. So why should New York and North Dakota be under the same restrictions? Uh, so that's why I think it came up there. And, of course, obviously, they have a, a very lovely facility there. Um, I figured again, it was it was probably just because Crosby went to Shattuck St. Mary's and <laughs> they're trying to make Sid happy. So no, I, I think it's, it's the potential to bring a large group of people into an area that could be con- considered safe. Can you uh, imagine probably. though, Mike Heike, if this thing actually ends up coming to fruition and it ends up being a, uh, basically the, the rookie tournament up, in Michigan uh, on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, like, I... Like, when you like, when you think about it, like, they... In, on a very small scale, they have put together something like this in uh, Traverse City and yeah. a few other locales where they've tried it, but this was by far the... Well, it was the first one and the best one. And the stars have always gone up. There was a Ken Holland creation uh, out of the uh, Red Wings organization. And it's been beneficial. And, you know, the all the scouts and everybody goes up there, they golf all day long, and then they go watch hockey at night, and then they, you know, rinse, repeat. And, you know, could they possibly do the same thing to conclude the National Hockey League season by, you know, putting this together in, in Fargo? <laughs> I mean, like you said, it would be the dead last. Like I was actually, I was reading all this stuff over the weekend. I'm thinking, why wouldn't you just go to the Star Center, to the Comerica Center, and, and hold games there? Um, if you really are, you know, you don't have to have a huge crowd, and you, you know, you want to have professional facilities. Um, mm-hmm. And so, let's say, you know. Uh, I mean, this is this all goes to the theory of one place. So that's the other problem is how are you gonna how are you going to have uh, hotels and and all of that for the amount of people that would have to come in for something like this? Yeah, I uh, I don't know. They'd set up a tent city of some sort, would they not? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does create all the conversation of 
how could you do this? Do you have to? Have <laughs> no. What it, cre- what it creates is fodder for podcasts and <laughs> an article on social media. That's what it produces. Yeah, you know, something to read when you're uh, more. When Nothing you're more. staying home. Yeah, as we are staying home and bonding with our loved ones. Bonding was something that you uh, wanted to get into this week, right? Okay, yes, it is, actually. I refer to bonding as being when I sit down to watch Goldfinger, Dr. No, and Skyfall back to back to back. <laughs> That's bonding <laughs> to the Razor Boy. Mike, very- you have HSOs on a different quote-unquote bonding. True? Well, I uh, heard a uh, <laughs> I heard a, a very popular tele- radio show on Friday morning uh, where uh, a friend of mine, Daryl Ray, tried to watch movies with his family, and they they did not want to watch movies. No, with their dad. No, no, and, it's it's social distancing. Once we start <laughs> uh, locking it down after dinner at night around here, we are not on the same wavelength. Which is interesting because I I do believe. You know, this whole thing started with, well, maybe we need this. Maybe this is a time for us to step back and reconsider our family. And and at some point in time, I think when we actually consider the whole of our family, uh, sometimes it's good to not be together and to have absence, that space. Absence yeah. makes the heart grow fonder, Mike. I know. And so uh, as we hear people talking about how long this might go on for, uh, it will be interesting to see how relationships are changed. How can they miss me when I don't go away? <laughs> that's that's what I say to them. So sometimes I just lock myself uh, away for hours on end, and then all of a sudden uh, reemerge, and they seem delighted, like little children, to see me once again <laughs> in the house. Uh, not really, but I like to think of that in my mind as I do that. But uh, once once dinner's over with, man, we are we are off in uh, almost polar opposite directions. Yeah. We've tried, you know, again, you, you try for a little commonality, but for the most part, uh, my interests and theirs <laughs> differ. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is that if you sit down with all four of you, you know, you and me both have four, watching one TV program, you know, Within five minutes, either they're on the phone or I'm on the phone or, you know, checking something else other than whatever it is we're supposed to be watching because it's really hard to find something that everybody wants to watch. Sports. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not trying to just be flippant. Like, it is. that. That's why sports are special. Uh, the, and I'm not saying that people don't have a second screen going, but it's not the same. I mean, think of how lazy we are now. You, you can just tune out for a while on um, watching something on television, and then if you miss something, you want to go back, you just rewind live television. <laughs> but like, that's the that's the oh one that God. I think frustrates my wife and I the most is that our kids will be what what did they say? What did I miss? And then you have yeah. to back it up. Oh yeah, forty seconds to fifty yeah, seconds. Three and a half hours to watch a <laughs> hour forty eight movie. I, I went up the other night and I watched Ford versus Ferrari and it is phenomenal. It, it's terrific. The movie is awesome. Fully recommend that one. Loved every minute of it. Uh, Jeff Totes, uh, our illustrious twenty-something, you've moved into, uh, or you're about to move into a different type of bonding. Are you not? 
Uh, yes. Well, it's been a long couple weeks of quarantine in my apartment. So I have uh, just applied to foster an animal. Um, hopefully getting a puppy this week. We will see. Stay tuned. Will it be a puppy or a dog? We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I applied through the Humane Society. So they send you like a list of available fosters and then you review that and find one you like, I guess. I don't know. You, is this because you don't want to suffer alone? Do you want you to make exactly the dog suffer it. too? It, exactly. It's a it's an emotional support animal for sure. So, so what happens? Project. What happens on the other side of all this? What you, uh, oh, that, have you thought he, this through? No, I haven't. Um, we'll you just release the dog into the wild, or what? I think I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, no. I'll probably end up bonding too much with it, and then have yeah. to keep it. And, yeah. Um, that's gonna so we'll then see. you you know you're gonna need a girlfriend, uh, steady that stays at home when you're on the road with us that looks after uh, is able to stop in and feed and walk and what have you when you're on the road for four and five days at a time. You're aware of that, aren't you? Yes, and that's the thing. I'm going through these tiers of responsibility. Like I got a plant and I've had it for a month and it's still alive <laughs> and I've cared for it I've cared for it well. And so now that the plant's good. So that was your your entry level was a fern? It was, yeah, and it looks lovely in my apartment. Um, so once, you know, a couple months of caring for the dog, uh, that responsibility, then I think it's time for a girlfriend. It's just step by step. It's like a graduation platform. You're working <laughs> exactly. up to the platinum level. Exactly. Way to it's go. Step by step. Well, we'll see. Good for you. Hey, we look, we contemplated it too, um, and we continue to do so, but uh, so far we haven't been able to twist the person that doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> dog hair everywhere and the responsibility That's right. into, into actually doing it. Whereas Mike Hike has lived this life. Oh, I love it's it. It's all about that. You know what's funny is I would love to lend you one of my little tiny Yorkies and let them yap around your house for a day just to see if your wife could take it. Because uh, they really are quite adorable. And, and I think uh, – these these tiny ones are fairly hypoallergenic and they don't shed. And now you you do have to give them like hundred dollar haircuts or whatever more more than you pay for your haircut. Uh, but but they're good little dogs. Uh, speaking of haircuts, I may just shave it all off. I may just <laughs> I may just go. I've I've told the girls they can do it and they want nothing to do with it. They almost cry when I say it, but I may do it. Uh, one like, are you okay with that? Like your what? hair has been such an important part of your life, and maybe not to you, but I mean, it's you have fantastic hair. You've always had fantastic. Not hair. really. I mean, oh, I, come on. I'm moving into the creative combing category of hair. Well, I, that's what I'm saying, and you and I both have that issue. And yeah, like I'm like I don't know if I want to go the full shave, but so many people are doing it that yeah, I think now's the time, Mike. Pull it off. Uh, from a from a dog's standpoint, my one daughter Kendall had the terrific idea, and we stayed true with it. We we want to get like five or six of those little white ones. I don't know what they're called, Shih Tzus or something. Are they yeah. white? Maltese Shih Tzus. Yeah, my Yorkies are white. And then we would dye each of them a different color, and <laughs> and it would just be like uh, like having Skittles running live Skittles running around the house. <laughs> How great would yeah. that be? It would That's be awesome. fantastic. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and Kristen would have to take care of all five. 
What's that? Yeah, oh yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> have to take care of all five. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we'd have three and be like, hey, where'd the other two go? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were sent back to the Humane Society. <laughs> yes. Well, we would video it and put it, post it, and everything else. And uh, you know, th- I, this next category, I, I I feel like I'm I'm being self-serving here, but not really, because it's just a poll. Uh, the Stars broadcast uh, was was named best in the West, essentially the second best broadcast in the entire National Hockey League. Did you guys catch this on social media? I did. Yeah, I did. Well, lots, lots was made on the Soch about <laughs> this poll that was put together by the Athletic. Was it just one guy from the Athletic? I think it was just one guy. Okay, ranking various team broadcasts around the league. Final tabulation, our presentation on Fox Sports Southwest came in second to the Hurricanes on Fox Sports South, maybe? I think that's what they're called down there. Full disclosure, I and I'm not kidding, I did not read the article. I'm not into reading the good nor the bad. Uh, flattered, yes, proud of the group always, but... Uh, glad people enjoy the presentation, but I never get wrapped up in opinions, good or bad. So now, now there was a person in first place that you might know. Does, uh, does from, that bring any sort of uh, from the hurricane? Fun? Yeah, any fun text yeah, well, back I, and forth? You, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Like, obviously, I watch all the broadcasts around the league, and I really do enjoy their broadcasts. And yeah, John Forsland's a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, started in this business with him in Hartford in 1995, and it, it's look, it, it's it's really good. This this is a play. You know, it's a it, it's a sport that really relies heavily on calling the action, right? Being a yeah. part of that and, and tr- trying to capture that. I find it kind of ironic that the two best broadcasts, you know, quote unquote, best broadcasts, according to this poll, are are both uh, simulcasts. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that nice? And, and in the South, no less. And, yeah, and in so-called non-traditional uh, markets and franchises that moved uh, south from northern locales uh, on 20 some odd years now for the hurricanes and obviously we're trending towards 30 uh, here so uh, anyway it was <laughs> it is what it is I, I always say there, there's a couple things that I always say no amount of production can overcome the incompetence in the booth <laughs> so if you you know if, if if you have if you have some dunces up there with headsets on the poodles then it doesn't matter what they're trying to create down in the truck it, it's going to be a disaster and uh that's why i'm glad this was sort of an overall broadcast thing and not just broadcasters plural and Brings i mind I, the uh, goaltending is 90 percent of hockey What's that? I said the springs to mind that goaltending is 90% of hockey. Well, exactly. when it's bad goaltending. And then it's 100%. (laughs) I've always been a a firm believer in in what we refer to as ICE, the acronym, I-C-E, information, continuity, and entertainment. That's always been what I'm about. And our our production group... I'm still talking, Mike. That's how this works on the broadcast. I thought you had a pause there. I'm trying to. No, no, I'm unleashing now. Okay, that's not how it works in the booth. Every time I breathe, you don't start talking. Totes. That'll annoy me. (laughs) 
the uh, the production we we have this wonderful uh, continuity, right? Because most of the guys on our broadcast, it, what a luxury, uh, have been on our broadcast for a long time in on the production side. You know, our our director Mark Vittorio. We've gone through a few producers this year. We've ground them up like granola, and uh, but for a long time we had you know Jason Walsh, who now runs Fox Sports Southwest. Uh, who was our producer. He was also the director of broadcasting for the stars. Tom Holy's moved into that role recently. Dot um, com on the uh, graphic side of things. He's also produced at times this year. Uh, Doug Foss, you go down the, uh, the list of people that have been around for a long, long time. Uh, John Sponsler does remarkable work in the tape room for replays and everything. And all these guys, you know, they, for the most part, they've all worked on national shows, either Olympic Games or with NBC or Versus. It's it's not like they're just here and that's all they can do. Like they're regarded around the industry as the very best at what they do, and the I, I guess the 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 product that we pump out is a reflection of that. So that that's the continuity part. The information part has has been kind of a, a moving target and you know it's this you know this it's a daily deluge of information in sports now and especially in ours like it's too much is it not mike oh uh, yes i agree yeah and it, so it's almost like you have to filter th- this stuff and analytics have have seeped in there, there was a great uh quote about analytics uh, a few years back, I think it might have it might have come out of the Edmonton Journal, but it was basically stating the problem with sports analytics is not that they are are flawed in any way. The problem is that they are accurate to the benefit of almost no one, and so it's it's being right for the sake of being right in a context where there was never any real problem or downside to being wrong. And I've I've kept that in the back of my mind for years now where I'm like, yeah, kind of. Now, look, there's good and there's bad from the the numbers world. And we've all become, I think, more adept and more uh, open to utilizing this stuff. But, man, you can just crush sports with with statistics and numbers. And we've tried to, you know, you give the information, but you you don't just pound people into a coma with it. Yeah, I, I was horrible at math, so I've never really enjoyed that part of it. I like the people, and I like the actions, and I like the, yeah. the beauty of the sport. Uh, so then, you know, the math is fine and the math is nice and we all are looking for explanations and way to get better. But when I consume it, I, you know, I like people, I like stories. I like you telling stories. Uh, I that's what makes, uh, the entertainment part so good. Yeah. Well, the, that's the E in ice entertainment. That's me. You. I know there's a, there's, yeah, I mean, I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I kidding. thought it was Seve and Brian Ray, but uh, I guess it I'm is. kidding. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. So there you have it. Ice. Information. Continuity. You know what you're going to get. You know that you're going to learn something. And you know that you're going to be entertained. And boom. That's how you end up number two. 
<laughs> well, it's funny. I had to write some of those Lone Star Emmy stories for you guys back in the past. I don't know how many you have, six, seven, or whatever it is. And so then they. I, would, think it, I think it starts with a one. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. So then I'm sitting there going, like, also nominated was this game from the San Antonio Spurs who won the NBA championship. Also nominated was this game from the Houston Astros who won the World Series. Also nominated was, you know, and you're like, not to be mean to the Dallas Stars, but they have not been the most competitive team a lot of times when you guys are winning these awards against some of the biggest teams in the nation and their broadcasts. And it just says a lot about, you know, what you guys do, um, you know, because it, it really is impressive. The fact that, that you're considered where you're considered over anyone in Canada or Boston or Detroit or Chicago, or you're considered, who, you know, where you're considered over the Spurs or the Astros or the Oklahoma Thunder or whatever, uh, that's impressive. I mean, the, the fact that the little Dallas Stars are considered to be as good or better than anybody else is is really impressive. Yeah, we're great. There's no question about that. <laughs> and uh unfortunately we're dormant at this point. Yeah. Uh, and and for the foreseeable future. So our greatness will have to wait for a little while uh before it gets going again. Um one of the things you were wondering about and it, it's a good premise is will all the habits that are involved in in sports and especially in ours will they endure this uh shutdown that we have going on and this change in society i I think new habits will form and some old ones will probably fade as a result of the ordeal uh do you think just from a hockey standpoint that the post playoff series handshake is going to continue that's a really good question. I mean, they're in one there exchanging the, fluids anyways, right? <laughs> they're sweating all over each other. Yes, but I, I think from a more ceremonial standpoint, depending on where this thing goes and where we end up and how normal things become again, but, uh, I mean, we, we're revered in our sport as, uh, you know, here comes the handshake line and, yeah. uh, you know, productions prepare for it and it's how series end. And, uh, you know, do you know the the origin of handshakes? handshakes? I, I don't, actually. It, nope. it date, it, listen up, Totsi. Yeah. It dates back to uh, medieval times. And basically, it was, it was a way of showing uh, the person coming toward you that you were not armed. And that you, you showed your, basically showed your hand. That, you know, you don't have a, a knife or sword or anything in that that's going to do harm. That that was the origin of the handshake. And uh, how it turned into what you guys do, Totsi, is beyond me. It's more a bro hug. I don't think they bro hug back in the 1500s, but uh, handshakes aren't a big deal with with your generation, are they? No, not at all. But, I mean, no one knows how it's going to end up after all this. Like this will change that. I feel like, like if you're when you, when you're greeting someone, some one of your your buddies that you haven't seen in a long time, how how is that? How do you greet them? You do the uh, the, the as you call the bro handshake. Yeah, you go go in tight, give them like three pats on the back. So that's even worse than just this pure old fashioned handshake. 
Oh yeah, that's not arms extended. That's in completely. Well, you need a yeah. Well, that's going to go away, is it not? That would definitely. It's definitely not socially distant. That's for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it go. So just do you think in in the future, Michael, this will just be glove bumps like after a goal? <laughs> not uh, that's a really good question. Too. I think that's what kids. I think that's what kids do at tournaments and that. Do they? Yeah, yeah I, I think, it would make I think, sense. I think they yeah. line up. No, I don't think anybody takes off their stinky gloves and shakes hands anymore. Which, again, this, this is going to look like in the rearview mirror. Like, why would we ever do that? Like, why why were we doing that? That's that seems uh, moronic to to take your hand out of a glove that has is just a uh, sea of <laughs> of junk and and bile and bacteria. And then swap that with the guy on the other side's hand. And then right after that, he's going to wipe sweat off his forehead and it's not out of his nose. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. No, I, yeah, be, I, get, I get it. But so, I do understand the, the concept of, you know, you're a warrior. You're taking off your armor and saying, you know, good yeah. match. And yeah. so I do get the symbolism of it all. But you're right. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that's in a hockey glove is not good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you might as well just kiss each other in the line. <laughs> go down. <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to go to that. But anything else? Do you think that'll? Uh, do you think the media uh, process will change? Uh, yeah, it certainly did for those couple of days uh, before. Yeah, I, it has to, right? Don't you I think? think? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think the Olympics is a great example, and and uh, I've had to cover some. Uh, oh, did you pass the little the little uh, the mix zone? Kiss and cry, meet and greet, whatever. Yep. What do they call it? The mix zone? Is that what it is? Mix zone is what they call yeah. in the Olympics. Uh, and they do it in soccer, too, where there's a fence between the media and the um, players. And, you know, you can get yeah, as close I, or as far away as you want. And I, I think the idea of the media scrum, again, th- th- this is going to look like something uh, in the rearview mirror where you're like, so let me get this straight again. We took one of our valuable multi-million dollar players and just surrounded him with guys <laughs> whose hygiene are questionable and put them in really close proximity. And we did that repeatedly. All over the place for six or seven months. Yeah, you so remember, you're right. Well, you you're, obviously you're right. remember the old uh, uh, Edmonton Coliseum where they didn't really have a dressing room. They literally changed into buck nakedness right there in the in the area where the media was. And we some all of those did. guys. We always did that though. There was the same thing in yeah. at Boston Garden and and other places. Like, there was never a changing. That there wasn't two rooms. Um, that that's why in in our sport it's referred to as a dressing room. I always hear locker room, and right. I just gag when I hear that because there are there are no locks in there. There are locks right. in the other room now where they actually get undressed. But it was it was a dressing room. You you dressed into your clothes after, or you dressed into your uniform to go out there and play. And some of those guys didn't mind getting all the way down to nothing. No. <laughs> Standing there talking. <laughs> yeah, yes. They, didn't, they weren't a lot of big towels back in the day. <laughs> now, that hygiene really had to be quite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting you went straight to that. Um, <laughs> well, you were, you were, say, you were uh, saying that we were the cause. I, I think the players have just as many issues. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, hey, look, we just get back playing first. We can figure some of this stuff out, yeah. right? 
What do you think about all that? Do you think this is, I mean, when you look at it, the time of it's only April, and, you know, if you can try and get this done before September, it seems doable. But then, then you start hearing all the stuff of, no, no, we, we can't really do anything in the next month or two yeah, months or whatever. I, look, I don't know. I, the most positive thing I've heard in the last little while, beyond just, you know, blind statements that are have no basis in truth, are uh, or is that they said that the PGA Tour came out just before we started recording this and said they're starting up in mid-June. Wow. With the Memorial Tournament. No fans, probably. Right. Uh, but they – and, I mean, look, that makes all the sense in the world. There are still golf courses open around here. Yeah, they're right showing now. some high school kids out golfing because they can still work on their game and they still yeah. want to compete right. for a state championship this year. Right. So the idea that you could you could hold a golf tournament uh, without fans and to have something for the rest of us schlubs to watch, and that could be the leading edge of the return to sports. I mean, it, it's something to grab onto, right? Yeah. Well, and I do. I keep going back to there's a lot of money in this. Like whoever gets back first is going to have an incredible audience, uh, depending on how, you know, if, you know, if we're not working at the at the job site, if everybody's still socially distancing and staying at home, uh, if golf comes back first, uh, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on, on the television for golf. Be wild, though, if they made everybody wear a mask. So every guy out there is, is uh, wearing a mask. It, it would look like. I don't know if they're going to rob a stagecoach or something as they <laughs> approach. You could start your hockey personality and everybody can uh, can customize their own mask. Yeah, well, that's coming. I can guarantee you that, man. Some people are going to make a pile of money off of, not that they haven't already, right. but uh, just off of designer uh, face masks. My understanding from reading about the benefits of wearing masks is that they they do best for protecting other people from your oral exhaust than than vice versa. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's benefits both ways, but for the most part, I read an article and a Ebola doctor was talking about the benefits of of wearing masks, and it was it was basically that that it, the biggest benefit is your spittle ending up on other people than it is other people's uh, the virus seeping through that and into your mouth. I, I agree with that, and I've heard uh, that myself. But I also wonder if it keeps you from touching your, your mouth and nose, if that's well, really that, the, the that port too. of entry. That you know. too, but that actually, he, I think he said in this article, it, a lot of times it actually does the opposite because you're constantly adjusting the mask and that. Yeah. So instead of uh, just absolutely not touching your face with your hands, you end up touching your face with your hands more yeah. because you have this mask on and you're adjusting it. And then you have people that want to pull it down, get something in their mouth, and then put it back up again. So, uh, yeah, maybe it defeats the purpose in some way. As a, as a former goaltender, masks were, of course, a big part of my life. Right. And I think it, I love the hockey mess. One of the stories I wanted to do back in the day was allowing skaters to pick out their masks. And uh, what? Uh, 
So I would have, I would go to Pat Verbeek and say, what would you put on your hockey mask? And he came back to me and he said, I want a big trout oh, that's I got you. jumping up the side of my mask because he was such a big fisherman. And uh, yeah. there, were, there were other ones. I think uh, Craig Ludwig had one that was uh, not repeatable. And <laughs> there, you know, it, it was no just it's a, it's a, no. It's a cool thing where you get to show a little bit of your individual personality. You know, in a team sport. Yes, I, I'm. I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked that they allow goaltenders to be as creative as they do. I mean, there's a player couldn't take his helmet and decorate it. No. So why do they why do they allow that position to do that? I don't understand. Because I mean, there was a time for the most part when when masks started, they went from just masks to protect your face to a, a bit of a design on them. I mean, Cheevers had stitches every time he got hit uh, on the mask. He would they would uh, paint on stitches, fake stitches on there where he would have taken stitches, and then it progressed. And in the seventies, it got it got old and wild and into the 80s and then the mask changed again from eye hole mask to sort of a, a gladiator hybrid of cage and mask and uh, and then with that came all of these very intricate painting designs on the masks and I've always you know I, I, I look at the uh, catchers in, in baseball that wear, they always say on the broadcast, the hockey or goaltender style uh, mask back there. And they're, they're not all decked out with, you know, a, a 1977 mural on the side of a van, uh, you know, for blue <laughs> I, I do wonder painting. if Major League Baseball, you know, has rules against it because well, nobody sure does. They, do. I, uh, they have to. Of course they do. Right. So they're they're allowed to have basically very rudimentary basic designs on there uh, that are that are team colors and team oriented. And I'm always, you know, year after year, I am I'm incredulous that they allow these guys to have as much personal stuff on their masks as they do now. And they're awesome, and they look great. But I'm I'm just shocked that they allow it. It was so funny. I think Kari took it to the nth degree when he was with Atlanta, where there was nothing Atlanta on his mask. It was some, you know, movie, Batman movie, or, or oh yeah, I mean, you know, some video game or some rapper from Atlanta, and you're just like, what does this have to do with the Thrashers? Yeah, I mean, there are cartoon characters on on guys' masks, and their children, and I mean, there's just all kinds of things that guys the. Uh, old uh, former players ghosted on the sides and sayings and nicknames and uh, you name it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I find it both extremely pleasurable and disturbing <laughs> at the same time. Sounds think, like most goaltenders. Yeah. I think I had six, maybe seven masks through my years. Uh, yeah, probably about that. And you know they got they got better as you got better and shots got harder. And I, I still wish goaltenders wore eye hole uh, masks, don't you? Just so I you love, could see it better, yeah. No, I, I mean they just they, they just looked like they, they looked like uh, Marvel characters or something. Um, yeah, everyone I guess looks, I get everyone that. Everyone looks the same. If I go into a rink in the morning and. 
and I'm with someone that may, maybe doesn't have the expertise at the position that I do and and can read equipment and that, they don't know which goaltender is which. Yeah. They all look the same. No, that we're the same mask. You can't really see from the stands the, the actual design of, of what's on there. You kind of can, but not really. And, and that whereas back in the in the old days when you just had two eye holes and it was truly a mask and it was form fitted the, the and they were painted up i mean you knew who that was you knew who that was you still know today who they are yeah no i've seen a puck with it did mike smith or whoever have it wedged right into his mask so the shots are coming in that hard and it's just there's bobby a lot of technology shot, bobby right hall there. shot the puck 115 miles an hour with a wood yeah. stick when they weren't even wearing masks. Don't give me that hogwash malarkey hika. <laughs> uh, did Bobby Hall ever really have his shot uh, clocked? I think it was about 88 miles an hour. Yeah, you're wrong. The first, <laughs> hey, ever tell you the story of the first time I, I got a mask? No. I was playing road hockey in Prince George, and I was the youngest guy in our neighborhoods. And that's why I had to had to play goal. Nobody else wanted to play. I all I wanted to do was play goal, right? Ken Dryden was my idol. I I was like six, seven years old. It was it was time to go. So I would go and play with the boys that were in their, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds that are out there playing street hockey in Prince George, British Columbia, in the winter time which means that a lot of things that are outside end up frozen because it's minus 30, it's minus 20. And we get a little lull in the minus, but things were still frozen. You go out there and you play. So we'd play on the street. I had foam pads. Uh, I had a baseball glove and I made a foam block and that's all I had. And I had a goal stick and we'd head out there and put the nets on the street and away we'd go. Well, a guy named Norm Brown, uh, who was, I don't know, he was, I think, early teens, was sort of the best player in the neighborhood and, uh, you know, good athlete, big uh, physical guy. And he hit me with a frozen tennis ball right in the cheek and sent me home howling. And my dad took one look at me and without even flinching, grabbed me, threw me in the car. We went down to Northern Hardware and he bought me uh Back then, it was that, I think, Mylar, My, whatever the company was. But they made this Tony Esposito replica mask. And I swear, every guy that played goal in that era in street hockey or road hockey had that mask. And sure enough, my dad bought it for me. We brought it home. I can still smell the padding inside and the plastic. It had a little backplate on it. Strapped that thing on. Went right back out there. Now, the, the problem was that my, my face had thawed out and a big welt just under my eye. But you throw the mask on when it's minus 20 out, and base, basically you just got cold plastic over top of your face. <laughs> it really didn't do anything as far as protecting. Uh, you just, instead of the frozen tennis ball slamming against your cheekbones and your chin and your forehead, it would just slam into the mask, and the entire mask would just mash your face oh. in this frozen, aching whap on your head, and then on you went. And, yeah, so, you know, the young Ray boy was not that intelligent, uh, but he had quick reflexes, and uh, he could take some pain, and that was it. 
I like the uh, the message from your dad of, uh, yeah, we're going to get you right back out there. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> That's Ivor, great, isn't it? Ivor grabbed me and just uh, jumped in the station wagon. Down we went. No seat belts, of course. Of course and, uh And walked into Northern Hardware, bought me a mask, came back, and sent me back out again. There you go. I that won't happen again. That's good parenting. Yeah, I thought so at the time. I don't know, in hindsight. <laughs> all right, one side note on station wagons. Uh, we had uh, nine kids, so we were just rolling all over. Ours had a metal dash. I don't know if yours went back that far. Uh, but, like, we would put, we were Catholic, so we would have, like, Catholic things that had magnets on them. <laughs> and they would, like, you know, the Virgin Mary would be on your dash on a magnet that stuck on the metal. And you're just like, I'm looking back, I'm like, that really wasn't a very safe automobile. Oh, my to God. have a metal dash. <laughs> I don't know that I ever sat, well, I, I did a few times, but not very often, did I actually sit in a seat in the station wagon. No. Because we had, we had that two-inch foam rolled out in the back. Yep. And you just laid in the back. Yep. Like I, I entered and exited out of the back of that station wagon about 90% of the time. Yeah. Not through a door. And then you'd have the window down in the back and the exhaust oh, just the sucking exhaust right in. in. <laughs> Two people would be smoking inside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, hey, I through that. I can get through coronavirus. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to survive. Yeah. So let's, hey, good talking to you Uh once again, Mike, you really make my week in uh, gathering with you and, and Jeff Totes. And thanks, Totesy, again for doing this. Yep. And I look forward to your music choices again this week. <laughs> and let's continue to to meet one another uh, digitally or audibly every week like this. And let's continue to protect ourselves, uh, our families, others especially those heroic hospital workers who are facing this virus day after day, hour, fun hour, wash, wash repeatedly. And if you can wear a mask, if you're interacting out there, social distance, stay at home as much as possible. You know it, right? I do. Yeah. I think think everybody's learning it. I think, I think we're getting pretty good at it. I, I was thinking about this this morning. It's almost like, if you're going to use the hockey analogy, it's like we fell behind two nothing early to COVID nineteen, right? <laughs> we're playing COVID nineteen and we're down two zip, but we're now on the board. And in the coming days and weeks, the the analytics, uh, along with our sheer will as a team, uh, suggest that we're going to tie it and then pull ahead and eventually go on to some kind of a gutty come from behind victory, right? Good defense always wins in the playoffs. Go humans. Go humans. (laughs) All right. Talk to you boys next week. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe out there.